This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, happy new year and welcome to a new year of Right From The Deep. Here's what's happening. First of all, thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. You help make this podcast possible. And if you want to add your support, visit patreon.com forward slash right from the deep. We'd sure appreciate it. We would. And special, special thanks to our December sponsor of the month, Kimberly Woodhouse. Kim is a new sponsor to our show, and we're delighted to tell you about her. She is an award-winning and best-selling author of more than 40 books. And her books have been awarded like the Carol Award, the Hope Medallion, Reader's Choice Award, Sella Award, Spur Award, Christian Market Book Award, Golden Scroll Award, oh my goodness, among others. <laughs> she's a popular speaker teacher, and she's shared with over a million people at more than 2,500 venues across the country. And her latest book is The Secrets Beneath. And that's a Christian historical romance published by Bethany House. And we'll link to that in the show notes so you can check it out. Or you can also connect with Kim at her website, KimberlyWoodhouse.com. That's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y-W-O-O-D-H-O-U-S-E.com. And it's my turn for a wonder. And Don and I lost our 14-year-old Kirby, our corgi, to cancer about a month ago. And so we were looking for a new corgi, and I was looking through shelters for corgis or corgi mixes. And we saw a little guy that we really liked the looks of him. So when we set up to go and see him, I prayed because it's so important that we have the right dog for us and that we're the right people for the dog. And I prayed and I asked God to make it clear that this was the right dog for us and we were the right people for him. Well, on the description on the website, it said that he was a little growly when he was handled. So I wasn't sure if that meant he was aggressive or just scared being in the shelter environment. So we went and they brought him out and I was sitting on a little bench and they brought him over and I picked him up and he just pressed himself against me, put his little doggy arms around my neck and gave me kisses and kisses and kisses. (laughs) The guy at the shelter said, wow, he really is taken to you. (laughs) And so that was very clearly an answer to prayer. He's been with us for a little over a week now, and he just fits into our family perfect. Um, We're doing some training with him, but little rascal is a Corgi Boston Terrier mix, and we love him, and that's my wonder. And now, here's Here's the the show. show. Hello, listeners, and welcome. Guess what? It's a new year. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a time when many people take stock and evaluate the last year, or they look think about the coming year. And so we want to ask you, what do you hope for this year? At Right From The Deep, our hope and prayer for us and for you is that we'd all grow and deepen in our relationship with God and in our intimacy with Him. And toward that end, we have started a series, we started it last year, on activities or practices, basically, to deepen our relationship with God. 
And we said in that previous podcast that some people call these practices spiritual disciplines, but we don't necessarily want to think of them that way. They're not disciplines for discipline's sake. We're not doing hard things just to make ourselves spiritual. Right. These are activities that are all about spiritual growth. They're about tightening our connection to God and flourishing in our relationship with Him. So we want to continually grow in our conformity to Christ and in our role as His witnesses. So today we want to talk about the practice of silence. Now, maybe you've had a very busy holiday season and silence is something you'd welcome right now. Or maybe the never-ending cycle of busyness has restarted after holiday break and silence feels like kind of an impossibility. Or maybe you miss the sounds and festivities of family and friends and celebrations, and you wish it wasn't so silent right now. Right. So whatever your situation, we want to give some thoughts and ideas of the good that could come from silence about how and why you'd want to nurture and establish this in your daily life. So first, let's talk about what silence is. You know, our friend, good old Miriam Webster, has (laughs) several definitions, but the first one we want to talk about is the absence of sound or noise, as in stillness. Now, when you think about it, true silence, the absence of all noise is pretty hard to come by in our world today. There's an abundance of mechanical sounds like cars, washing machines, office printers, lawnmowers, and on and on and on. And there's a plethora of technology noise, beeps, whooshes, dings, rings. I mean, you can't get away from them. There's entertainment noise, TV shows, music, social media, videos, news broadcasts, and so on and so on and so on. Right. And there's even natural noise. The birds, uh, rain, wind, cicadas, where I live, they're loud. Waves, if you're by the ocean. Some people may never have experienced total silence. So even just wrapping our minds around it might be difficult for some of us. It's no wonder then that silence can actually make us uncomfortable. Author Dallas Willard in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, has this to say. Quote, noise comforts us in some curious way. In fact, we find complete silence shocking because it leaves the impression that nothing is happening. In a go-go world such as ours, what could be worse than that? Unquote. (laughs) And he goes on to say, think what it says about the inner emptiness of our lives if we must always turn on the radio to make sure something is happening around us. Unquote. But creating silence, an absence of sound, involves more than just turning off that make noises or isolating ourselves from other natural noises. Silence, real silence, forces us to cease activity, to cease making sounds ourselves. Remember, this first definition of silence is stillness. We spend way more time than we realize on the go, either in body or mind. So spending time in silence means you stop moving, stop your thoughts from the endless whirling. And this stillness can make silence even more disconcerting. Dallas Willard says, quote, Silence is frightening because it strips us as nothing else does, throwing us upon the stark realities of our life, unquote. So why on earth would we want to create silence? (laughs) What are the benefits of this disconcerting, possibly even frightening activity? Well, let me tell you. 
First, it promotes awareness. It gives us a time and place to evaluate what's happening within us and around us. Are we stressed? Sometimes we don't even know it. Are we exhausted? Sometimes we won't stop long enough to acknowledge that or do something about it. Or are we creatively sapped? Has our creativity just been dwindling, forcing us to work harder with worse results? It can be difficult to notice that kind of a slow drain. Or what troubles are we carrying that we should give over to God? Again, we don't often realize how we're piling on burdens when really Jesus tells us his yoke is easy and his burden is light, and that should be our norm. How much activity is really going on in our lives you know, we don't often stop to take note of how we've overbooked ourselves or how we haven't stopped moving in longer than we can remember. Or is there somebody around us who's hurting whom we haven't noticed because of all the other noise in our life? Silence gives us an opportunity to stop and evaluate and make changes. Another benefit of silence, of stillness, is that it strips away the world and leaves us only with God. It gives us time to relish and acknowledge a simple, quiet connection with God. God is the only one who can fill our deepest longing and desire. Like he put that in us on purpose. Think about it. Acts 17.25 tells us he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Life and breath and everything else, guys, only from him. We need to soak in this truth to let it sink deep into our hearts. It's an acknowledgement of our full dependence on God, and that gives us proper humility, gratitude, and a willingness to serve. So another benefit of silence is that it helps us sort out and identify meaning. Uh, poet Richard Rohr in Silent Compassion says, silence attracts meaning. If you stay silent for a whole hour, it will be hard not to write a poem. We don't want to go through life not recognizing our purpose or our meaning and the meaning of what God is doing in us, through us, and around us, and in the world. We're here for God's glory. So to recognize his value, to worship and adore him, that's why we're here. And our meaning and purpose come from him. And if we don't take time to stop and recognize that, we're missing out on his design for us. So we've talked about silence as stillness, but let's turn to another definition of silence. Miriam says silence also is forbearance from speech or noise, muteness. Well, the first thing we want to focus on with this definition is ceasing to talk. This can be very difficult for some of us, myself especially. Why? <laughs> I mean, sometimes the reason we talk so much is because we don't like silence. We find it awkward. So we talk and talk and talk and talk in an effort to fill the empty space. Sometimes the reason we talk so much is because we're too self-focused <laughs> to stop talking. And I'm sorry to have to say that about us, but it's more and more true. Our culture is me-focused. The pursuit of self-satisfaction is not just normal, you guys. It is expected and celebrated as our right. We don't need to listen because our thoughts and our opinions matter most to us. Well, here's what the Bible says about that in Proverbs 18 too. 
Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. <laughs> I love Proverbs. You yeah. know, sometimes we talk too much because we simply don't like to listen. But also, as we become more and more a product of our culture, sometimes we don't listen because we don't know how. We're either out of practice or we've forgotten or we never learned to begin with. I know that seems harsh and it's an awful thing to say, but take an objective look at what's happening in our world today and see if you don't spot some of these signs. Right. So ceasing to talk is forbearance from speech. But what about the other aspect of this definition, forbearance from noise? And we already did talk about personal stillness and not doing things that make, say, mechanical noise. So what we mean in this definition of forbearance from noise is avoiding things like clamor, babble, grumbling, and piling on of pointless arguments. These things show up especially in arenas like social media and email. Do you really need to add to the endless chatter? The overwhelm we already feel? No, we don't. Many writers have newsletters, so are we saying you shouldn't send them out because they're noise? Not exactly, but what we are saying is that you need to take a good look at the content you put out. You need to be objective and critical because, yes, it just might be noise. If it is noise, either change it so it's communication that truly matters or just don't send it out. There's nothing wrong with telling your readers that you're only going to send letters when there's news for them. Gossip, useless arguing, and unwholesome talk are also a form of noise. We need to practice muteness in those cases. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And guys, it's talking about what God sees as helpful for building others up. <laughs> Too many people think that everything they have to say is going to build someone up, and more often than not, it isn't. It's just adding your two cents when it's more harmful than good. James 1.26 is a pretty scathing pronouncement about our ability or lack thereof to control our tongue. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Ouch. Yeah. And Titus uh, 3.9 tells us, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because those are unprofitable and useless. Now, in those days, they quarreled about the law and things like that. But I think we can strongly consider applying this same notion to arguments about things like, uh, say, politics today. Oh, absolutely. So what are the benefits of not talking or not making noise? Well, the first benefit and the most important is we learn how to listen. When we're forced to cease talking or when we make ourselves cease talking, there's room for someone else to speak. That's a crucial first step to listening. We need to just shut our traps and be silent. And if we're not talking, that helps us interrupt our own self-focus, which will increase our capacity to actually listen to whoever is talking. Focus on what someone else is saying instead of thinking about your response all through their comments. 
Right. And the next step is to ask the Holy Spirit for help in truly doing that and in paying attention to what we hear and to focus on listening, as Karen said, and on considering what someone else is saying, on empathizing and learning rather than just sitting there looking like we're listening when really we're formulating our own response. So listening turns into another amazing benefit of silence. We gain understanding and insight. Um, We've had flood alerts here in uh, Washington, where I live, and I've never been through floods before. The only flood we've been through was in Illinois. It was a hundred-year flood, and I was actually in L.A. at the time, so I wasn't quite sure what I was supposed to do. So I contacted a neighbor who came and explained to me what you're supposed to do if the flood alert goes off, the alarm, and I told him, knowledge is power. And when you gain understanding and insight, that's a kind of power as well. Remember that the Bible calls those who don't want to understand, who just want to air their own opinions, fools. It's pretty harsh about those who don't take the time and put in the effort to understand. As followers of Christ, we're called to compassion, to concern and love for others. And that starts with understanding. Another benefit of not talking is that we learn prudence. So practicing silence helps our first response become listening rather than, you know, leaping in with an opinion or an argument or an unnecessary comment. Our words will become prudent. They'll become compassionate and timely, respectful and wise. Again, Dallas Willard in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, lists another important benefit of not talking. Quote, only silence will allow us life-transforming concentration on God. It allows us to hear the gentle God whose only son shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice above the street noise, unquote. That's from Matthew 12, 19. Another benefit that flows out of our concentration on God is a richer and more satisfying prayer life. Mm. In our prayer life, like how often do we go on and on with our talking and we completely forget to be silent and listen for God? I mean, how often do we complain that we don't hear from him and yet we're always the one doing the talking and never the one doing the listening? Again, when we stop talking, that opens the door for listening, for hearing God speak and for time to let understanding come. You know, if you don't take time for silence in your prayer life, how can God direct you and how He wants you to pray? We're in danger of just babbling or at the very least neglecting prayer for things God would like us to pray for. It's very clear in Scripture that God ordained prayer. He wants us to be prayerfully involved in what happens in our daily lives, praying for our daily bread, even as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 11, and we're to be prayerfully involved on a spiritual world world war scale, as Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter 6, 10 through 20. When we're praying as God directs, we can't help but feel a more dynamic relationship with Him and involvement in all aspects of our lives, from the mundane to the very real struggle between good and evil. So one last definition of silence we want to cover. Merriam-Webster says silence is absence of mention or secrecy. 
So one meaning of this is to honor the trust of someone who shared something with us in confidence. We don't go blabbing that around. We don't, quotes, air quotes, share it as a prayer request. <laughs> and we don't hint about it to others. We practice the absence of mentioning it. Obviously, guys, there are some exceptions in the case of harmful activity, but that's not typical, right? Right. And the benefit of secrecy in this context is that you become trustworthy. People need trustworthy listeners. God made humans to be relational. And as Christ followers, we should do that in the very best way we can. Another meaning of the definition of silence as secrecy is avoiding the type of talk that we do to hide poor self-esteem or our lack of confidence. This might show up as bragging or the need to point out our own importance, or it might show up as excuses or assigning blame or constant diffidence. In the book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, which we've been talking about um, by Dallas Willard, and by the way, I recommend that book, y'all. <laughs> Dallas Willard says, we run off at the mouth because we are inwardly uneasy about what others think of us. We use words to adjust our appearance and elicit their approval. Otherwise, we fear our virtues might not receive adequate appreciation and our shortcomings might not be properly understood, unquote. The good news is when we refrain from speaking in this way, Dallas Willer goes on to say, quote, in not speaking, we resign how we appear to God. And that's hard, unquote. But he goes on to point out that God is always for us. Guys, God is always for us. And Jesus is always interceding for us. The Bible tells us that in Romans 8, 31 through 34. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Ultimately, you guys, the practice of secrecy will help us rely on God for our identity and our confidence. It helps us gain an inner confidence that has no need to speak. Okay, so this type of silence, the absence of mention or secrecy, we understand this might bring up a few questions like, what about the need to defend ourselves if someone slanders us or writes lies about us, especially if writing is our profession and it could hinder our sales, you know? Are we just supposed to let the publisher take the hit in sales? Well, your first action should be prayer. What does God want you to do about this? We need to take time and listen and obey. Sometimes we're to respond and he'll make that clear, but there may be times we're not supposed to do so. When we do as the Israelites were instructed to do as they face the Red Sea with Pharaoh and the Egyptians hot on their trail in Exodus 14, 14. They were told, quote, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent, unquote. We also need to discuss this with our agent, if we have one, and our publisher, if we have one. <laughs> Many of us are independent, so you need to discuss it with God. Depending on the situation, it might be other people's jobs to defend us or speak for us. Right. And again, many people are indie writers. So what do you do? You pray first, then heed what God says. And also, let's just bear in mind that responding to bad reviews is never a good idea because that's 
a case where we just need to let God be in charge. That person didn't like our writing, and they may even have a malicious attitude. That's true. But we need to let that go when we see that in reviews. So how do we practice an absence of mention in light of the need to market our books? You got to make sure you know what your motives are. Is your marketing about boosting your self-confidence? Is it about proving something through sales? Or is it stemming from a task God has given you to spread the message he gave you for his glory? Ask yourself, whose glory am I working for? Using endorsements from others is another way to market without directly tooting your own horn, so to speak. Right. And the bottom line is that marketing should come from a desire to serve rather than a desire to profit, even though making a profit is not wrong. Supporting your family is not wrong. But guys, people want to read. They want entertainment. They want hope. They want answers to problems. And it is okay to help them find that. It's okay to serve others and be paid for it. What you want to avoid is believing that you're the one ultimately in charge of making readers buy your books. Now that's that's what God does. Okay, we've talked about silence and what it is and what the benefits are of this practice, but how on earth can we make it happen in this noisy world? First, we need to be willing to face it. Like solitude, which we talked about in a previous episode, the discomfort or the difficulty of silence may make us shy away from it. We may need to force ourselves, but ask God for help. He'll give it to you. Right. And start with short periods, even as little as, you know, 15 seconds, 30 seconds. You would be surprised how long that can feel like. But then you can gradually build up to more time of silence. And incorporate silence into your prayer time. Every time you pray, start with silence, quieting yourself. Even if you're just meaning to pray a brief prayer before a meal or for something you just got an email about or whatever it is. As you go to God in more extended times of prayer, incorporate longer periods of silence or several periods. Another idea is to take time for silence when you practice solitude. When we talked about solitude in a previous episode, and we said that solitude doesn't have to include silence, but it can. So being silent without the presence of others is much easier, you know, than achieving silence in the presence of others. So you could try that. You can take time for silence before you fall asleep at night. Maybe that's right when you get into bed, or maybe you find a chair in a quiet corner of the house right before you go to bed. Or you can take time for silence when you wake up. Hmm. If you have chronic insomnia like I do, you have lots of opportunity to practice silence during the night. <laughs> or if you sleep well, then try taking time for silence when you first wake up in the morning or maybe before you get out of bed or before you shower or start your morning routine. Or maybe it's part of your morning routine. Uh, recently, um, I've been trying this. I've been putting silence into practice when I first wake up because, you know, it's pretty much always too early to actually get up. It's still dark outside. And even my dog, Ellie, does not want to go, <laughs> go outside at that time. <laughs> but um, specifically, what I do is I quiet myself and then I recite to myself Habakkuk 2.20. It says this, and I would encourage you guys to take this one down and, and memorize this. It says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And for me, 
that gives me time to submit myself to him, to put myself in the right place before him where I'm humbled and submitted and taking the time to be still and know that he's God. You would be amazed at how that can change your worries for the day and your frame of reference for the day when you stop to think that God is in his holy temple. It, it makes a difference. If it's winter where you are, like it is here in the United States where we are, maybe you'll have a day or a night where you get a peaceful snowfall. Bundle up and go sit out on your back porch or in your garage or backyard. Chances are that the flakes will fall silently, and snow that may already be on the ground will help to mute the surrounding noises to help you find silence. I grew up in southern Oregon, and we very seldom got snowfall. But when I went to college in Illinois, boy, howdy, they got snowfall <laughs> <laughs> crazy. And I remember the first snowfall when I ran outside to watch it because I was so delighted and how stunning the silence was. It was like everything was blanketed in peace and silence. There's just nothing like that. Mm. We already mentioned asking God for help with practicing silence when it's uncomfortable. But I also want to specifically talk about prayer for the practice of not talking in the presence of others. Ask God to remind you to keep your mouth shut and wait and listen. Psalm 141.3 tells us, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Boy, do I long for him to do that. <laughs> and we encourage you to memorize this verse, too, and repeat it often if you need to become more comfortable with silence. Right. And don't give up, guys, if you can't find true silence. Like we said, in our world, it isn't always possible. Personally, I have tinnitus, so there is no longer any such thing as true silence for me because there's always a ringing. But I can't let that stop me from practicing as much silence in all the other ways that we talked about as I can. So silence as a spiritual discipline or as truly a gift from God, silence as a way to learn more about ourselves and others in Him. There's a reason for the saying silence is golden. It really is. And in our silence, God can do much in our hearts and spirits and minds. So enter into that silence right now and let Him know that you are listening and ready for His Word. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm -hmm.